Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome my friend Danny Martin. Danny is a fellow board member with the Esports Trade Association. We also work together on building out a curriculum from SMU here in Dallas. He's doing amazing things with Exposure, which he is the co-founder and CEO of. And he's going to share all about his journey, how he's adding real value to young people who are looking to go into business, pursuing their passion. Let's talk to Danny. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, Danny, thank you so much for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. We have known each other, I want to say, about three years now. Yes. And I remember the moment that you came up to me. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I've always been very impressed. I've always been watching what you've been doing. It's why I wanted to recruit you to the board of directors for the Esports Trade Association. And you've been tremendous there. Love just your grassroots efforts, your passion for bringing people up through our industry, educating youth. And it's really a selfless goal yeah. that you have and I love seeing it. I love being part of it. I uh, love inviting you over to pool. Although ah, no, coming. those games it's have gotten coming. a little bit close, but <laughs> if you're wondering who pulled out the W, you know, <laughs> they say my, when Michael Jordan, you know, would bet in practice, he would just play more games, yes, more games until he exactly. ultimately won. And I think we can agree that's what I did. <laughs> At my house, yes, when we played sure. pool, and it showed. Was, I see your skill set. I thought you took advantage, and you know, like you took it. You didn't. You didn't take me serious. So I was just like, <laughs> "All right, cool, let's go." You know, and you started to actually, you know, pull out all the tools and tips, and it was like pretty cool to see. Well, I appreciate that. It's um, not over though. Well, yeah, we got to go round two. <laughs> we'll have to document it, but I will say. Uh, if, if there is a global pandemic, what I recommend is having a pool table in your house because yes. it enables you to get pretty good at pool. For sure, right? But I, wanted, I don't want to get too distracted. People are probably saying, okay, you've mentioned a couple things about yeah. Danny. Who is this guy? Perfect. So you are the co-founder and CEO of Exposure. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that is. Yeah, so Exposure is a technology company that provides educational opportunities for individuals to learn management, marketing, technology competition, and production in esports. And it gives them an immersive experience. So therefore, they can ultimately be able to say, hey, here's my portfolio. I want to obtain a job in this space. This is what I've done. And it's ultimately how we've all been into the space. So we do a lot of our programs outside of our facility here in the southern sector of Dallas. And we're just looking to impact students. That's cool. And so I always say, I mean, especially in the esports space, there's no substitute for experience. Yes. I tell people, you know, they ask me all the time, how do you want to get into the esports space? I say, volunteer. Yes. Get that experience. We've seen things with curriculums. You and I have been involved Mm -hmm. in that. We've seen certificates that did not go over well with Mm -hmm. the community. For sure. But I think the main point with traditional education in esports is, hey, there is a piece here where you can have a better starting point than you did without it. Yes. But when it comes down to it, you just have to be immersed, like you mm-hmm. said, well, in the act of competitive gaming and yes. all the different moving parts that are associated. Yes. So help me understand, when did you develop a passion for this did you realize this during your journey or did you at some point early on say i always want to help people achieve their dreams in what they're passionate about yeah always wanted to help individual team achieve their dreams and what they're passionate about but 
I ultimately didn't know that it was going to be gaming until it was one day I was at a at a CAF in college. And at that point, one of my teammates, I ran track in University of Texas in San Antonio, and he was just like, hey, my console is broke. And I was like, I have to figure out how to fix this because I'm sure <laughs> you're not the only person whose console is broke on campus. And so I ultimately learned how to fix it, and I started to fix consoles for individuals on campus. And when wow. someone gives me their console, I get to see how they play, how good they were play, what game they played. And I would start hosting tournaments uh, with that data. So it would make it easier for me to go to individuals who play FIFA or Madden or and ultimately say, hey, I have this tournament. Uh, the prize purse is $100 um, and get individuals to come into the tournament. That gave me a little bit of capital to survive in college. And I quickly identified that, you know, I can't be the only one hosting tournaments on campus because it doesn't mm. provide a lot of opportunities for individuals to actually showcase their skills or even just feel the the, the feeling of winning, right? And so sure. if there's more tournament organizers out there, it's more opportunities for individuals. So mm. I just set out to just opening open up an opportunity for more tournament organizers to get in the space. And I had to do that by way of technology because I can only teach so long before you want to really impact the, you know, the global atmosphere. And so I rent to, I moved out to San Francisco, Silicon Valley to work on, to work alongside with some tech, tech entrepreneurs. We received some capital and I just started to learn all aspects of building a tech startup. And at that point, I was just like, I want to build a tech platform that allows tournament organizers to have all the tools that they needed in order to successfully host tournaments. And cool. I quickly recognize after you help individuals run their tournaments, you see a great opportunity to help individuals who are in those tournaments competing. And that comes into branding, helping them get a little bit more exposure for that of being a part of the professional realms. And once we started doing that, I was just like, wow, there's, you know, there's an opportunity behind the scenes of helping those professional gamers go or aspiring gamers go pro. And so mm. now that's where we're at right now is just really thinking about everything behind the scenes because those those individuals who are graphic designing who are production technicians all of the career opportunities that everybody speaks on those are the individuals that help the professional gamers get to where they need to go and that's, that's a huge opportunity for us uh, to really add value to both perspectives interesting yeah there's got there's a lot of teams a lot of people who are supporting all the digital things that need to happen yes for a competition mm -hmm. to take place. It's not quite just going out in your backyard and shooting yeah. <laughs> hoops necessarily. So I'm a little bit surprised to hear about fixing this Xbox yeah. story. So what did you go to school for First yeah. of all, you're running track, but what was your major? Yeah, so it was entrepreneurship, right? Cool. So I was entrepreneurship major due to the fact that I come from the southern sector of Dallas, and the, econo the economics is not quite there. So after school, I would run run track for practice, get out, cut yards with my uncles, and then also sell barbecue at you know different clubs or different you know venues. And I'll be out to about two o'clock in the morning, and all of our conversations with our uncles was you know entrepreneurship. You know that's the word for them. Cool. So I knew going into college that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to run a business like my uncles. And they were pretty much like kind of forced to run businesses because they were in prison. They couldn't get a job. So that's that was naturally what they did. Yeah. And so they always talked about running a business because that's what they had to do. So I went to college knowing like, you know, I, I want to run a business like my uncles, you know, so I knew get a BA, business administration degree, minor in entrepreneurship. Then while I was doing it, entrepreneurship became a major. So it was just like, I just didn't know what the business would be. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's when that light bulb, you know, hit at that point of, you know, building out consoles and, and helping fix them. 
Incredible. Yeah, what's funny, I, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur about seven months ago. And I love it. I just had a, a mind shift. In fact, the next person I'm recording a podcast with is my my coach, yeah. Sharon Gill. I'm excited okay. about that. Yes. And, you know, flip the mindset. And it's crazy. But I remember being at college. And I remember looking at, you know, which business classes I'm going to take at Sacramento yeah. State and thinking, I'm not going to take entrepreneurship. I'm not going to be an entrepreneur. And so it's really cool to hear that you had that in yes, mind. For sure. uh, I didn't grow up around entrepreneurs. I grew up around teachers. Yes. And so I, I was just always kind of the mind of, yeah, you work for people. Yeah. And it's interesting how our the people around us kind of build our mindset and, we, and the possibilities that yes. we have. Now, you're fixing these Xboxes. I keep going back to this. Yeah. I can't get I it out of it. my head. I love it. So... Did you have experience taking stuff apart, putting it back together? Were yeah. you, did you have a knack for it? A did knack. somebody teach you? What was that yeah, about? Yeah, for sure. In high school, I used to, it was funny. Another way I used to make capital in high school is I used to build sound systems for individuals' cars. So they yeah. have so they have boom boxes. So I would actively go, we call it Big T Bazaar, mm-hmm. and I would go and go shop around with all the amplifiers and get the capacitor batteries and really install with the eight gauge wires and install oh, I know all, all the sound that. systems, right? Yeah. For the actual individual. So people in school would be going through campus with their like the 11th and 12th graders and they would have these nice sound sound systems and be like who did it and I would be the one uh, doing it so that gave me a knack of actually putting together things from a hardware perspective so Mm -hmm. I was really engaged in the hardware element of computers and understanding the value of how it all uh, interconnects and then that allowed me to go into college with the elements of, oh, man, I can take a console apart and it may be your lens or it may, you know, we need to reflow the actual processor. Like at this point, Xbox had uh, Red Rings of Death. And so ultimately okay. we'll take it apart and then we'll like it. Sometimes it'll be, you know, the disc, it'll be the lens. And but most of the time it will be the actual processor. And typically the processor will get really, really hot. Let's say people in school will be smoking and they don't clean their system so it'd be a lot of dust and it'd get really really hot inside and then it'll slide the processor will slide off the motherboard and so we will actively take the actual we'll heat the motherboard up slide the processor back back on in the instance of a car we call the reflow and that will work and so when someone will want to take their console back for a PlayStation for the long time that it'll take, or they can pay us $60 or $50 to get it done really quickly so they can get back to playing their game. Right. And we started recognizing, like, okay, this is uh, this is my knack for tinkering with things. And I feel as if, like, when you're in tech, you have to know both perspectives. You have to know the hardware and you have to know the software. If you know the hardware, yeah. you appreciate the software side because you'll know how everything interconnects. Yeah, that's incredible. And you know, you clearly have this, like, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure out how to make money any way I can, which is super cool. Not everybody who has an entrepreneurial spirit also has a servant's heart, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so was that something that you experienced with your family or or otherwise? Yeah, I think it's just a natural, you know, my mother, I never really got to see, got to see my mother because she would travel all the time for work. Mm. And so she, it would be funny. Like in middle school and high school, she would leave, she would leave on Sunday nights, and then she wouldn't get back to about Thursday. So I would have to take care of our, my brothers, sisters, and my sisters all throughout the week. We'll get she'll leave some money for pizza. I'll iron all the clothes, and we'll just yeah. be there. So ultimately, I just seen how hard my mother worked, and yeah. and how to provide to you know my brothers and sisters at that point. 
and then ultimately just understanding that there are many people that I grew up with that were in that same position. So yeah. ultimately, just when you go to school and talk to someone, you're like, man, you know, my mother passed away or my dad is on drugs or, you know, like you hear that consistently. Sure. So you just naturally have an inclination to say, hey, I want to provide support to anybody that I possibly can so they can have a leg up. So if I learn something, I want to give it off to you. So therefore, you can be able to learn it and actively do better at it because ultimately that's just a cycle of life. What 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 would it be if you know a lot and you're not giving it to anybody? And right. then ultimately you're just really you're really setting yourself up for failure because now you have people that's come that's gunning for you and that want to take what you want and living where we live, if you were running around with the shiniest objects, they're gonna come take it from you. Right. Well, eat you clearly had a view of a path forward beyond where you grew up. And not everybody where you grew up has that mindset, right? Can see beyond that. What enabled you to look to college, to look to doing other things beyond what everybody around you was doing? Yeah. One, it was athletics, right? So esports is like my... It's like my way of being in sports without being athletic anymore, right? <laughs> I just talked to somebody who said the same thing. He, he used to play soccer. He broke his foot. Actually, Mike Ashford from the yes, eSports Awards exactly. just talked to him, and he was like, yeah, I couldn't be competitive anymore on the field, on the pitch, but eSports gave me that competitive edge. Yes, <laughs> and, and just understanding that, you know. You know, when you run track, you can quickly identify if you're going to go you know, if you're going to go to the Olympics and you know, once you recognize your times is not good enough to go to the Olympics then you're like, OK, let me start to think about something else. But, you know, being in school and seeing my track athletes because we went to a really good track school. Mm. So just kind of seeing them going to these big schools and getting, you know, letters of uh, offer letters and things like that. It just inspired me because I was like. I have to go to school and get, you know, and go to school for running track or going to school for sports. I really didn't even think of it from the education side until I actually got to school and recognized how beneficial the education side is. Makes sense. And you stuck with school when you got there. Yes. It wasn't some people go to school for athletics. Yeah. And either it doesn't work mm-hmm. or they don't pass their classes. Yeah, for but sure. You were driven enough to really yeah. focus on the academic side as yeah, well. Yeah, the academics was critical because I just didn't want to let my parents and my, my grandmother, you know, down. Mm. I, I stayed with gr- my grandmother my last year of my senior in high school. And so just going there, you know, I just I just didn't want to let her down. So I made sure that I was focused running track they make sure that you're on your grades they make sure that you're doing study hall they make sure like you're doing everything pristine especially if you want to compete and that was a big thing for me so ultimately i took that same discipline that it took when you run track and i was literally running 100 mile weeks right so we get up at you know six o'clock in the morning running you know like seven miles and then again after after school and we're running another three what did you run what was your 400 800 and cross country Okay. Yeah. So that discipline that it takes to be able to get up in the morning, run all those miles, and then go back uh, and run it again after the day uh, and do ice baths and warm baths and just take care of your body. The discipline that is required to do that, I have literally added that as a component to what we do here today in regards to the esports industry. Discipline is so critical because this industry is moving fast and it's very critical to be able to know the impact that you're putting out there to individuals and you want to make sure that your own your own point and discipline really helps you sustain being on point. That's interesting. I had a, a 
a couple of years ago, I had an experience with this with track and discipline, mm-hmm. and I met Carl Lewis. Yes. <laughs> so I was I went to University of Houston. Houston. Carl Lewis is the assistant track coach. Yes. <laughs> I like roll up. <laughs> He's at lunch. <laughs> I'm like, th- no way. No so way. we go and we're we're they have a beautiful indoor track and everything, really cool. Beautiful. And it was so funny. He was talking to one of the female track stars there, and I guess they had had some sort of come from behind victory, mm-hmm. the the recent event before, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how there was a video, and Carl's just like this the whole time everybody's like oh and they're like coming from behind and he's like i knew you were going yeah to win and she's, she said something about being so out of breath and he's like if your form was a little brother better you wouldn't have yes. been out of breath exactly right <laughs> and he shared that his coach threw because i had a lot of questions you know what is the you know the structure of track yes. i learned it's a lot of, a lot like golf mm-hmm. with sponsors you're kind yes. of independent you're independent but he shared that his coach like never congratulated him Mm -hmm. and was always so strict on every Every little little thing thing. and it was always you did this wrong you did this it wasn't like you won the oh great job winning the olympic gold medal again exactly that was super eye-opening to me i'm not somebody who ran track Mm -hmm. and so to think that something at the highest level of course Everything gets very specific, Very, right? very, 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 very. Super interesting. I love the way that you've applied that. So let's talk about some of these programs that you're doing with Exposure. Yeah. Clearly, you're helping to educate the next generation, yes, right? Yes, for sure. I think that's so important because there's this dynamic that I've identified in esports where you have young people who understand gaming and esports. Mm-hmm. They get it. They grew up in it. Yes. They don't know anything different. Yes. Then you've got a gap in the middle. And then over here, you've got experienced professionals <laughs> exactly. who have done marketing, business development, all yeah. these different things for 20, 30 years. Yeah. You know, they're the guys who in any other industry would know it all, would be yeah. able to bring up the youth. They don't get gaming. They yeah. don't get esports. The structure, the ecosystem, the m- more skeptical consumer behavior. Yes. They've marketed to themselves for 20, 30 years. And now they're over here like, like whoa, <laughs> why isn't this working? Yeah. Right. And so... That's our goal at the Esports Trade Association. We can talk a little about in a little bit, but bridging that gap. And what I look forward to, I think, you know, in five, 10 years, that's not going to be an issue anymore because people who understand gaming and esports now have experience to match. And you're one of the people helping with this. So I understand one of these programs is the E2E immersion. Tell us what that is. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, to kind of give some context to that, when we, when we first opened up our facility in the southern sector of Dallas, it was geared towards creating an incubation area, right? There's many esports arenas that, are being, that were being developed, and we really wanted to make sure that, you know, you can have this huge facility, but the tournament organizers are the ones that fill that facility. So if you have a huge facility, you got to find the best of the best tournament organizers, and that is a far few between. Yes. So we utilize our facility to actually help groom tournament organizers so they can have a smaller mm. space to 
due to a tournament, they don't have to you know pay these absorbent amount of cops to be able to rent out a room, Good and then point. they can start to grow. And as they get better, then they can start to utilize the bigger spaces, right? And that's when I started to think when I seen Dallas and you have a lot of the e- the large esports arenas. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, they have to have a pipeline of talent to help secure those facilities, right? And I always Good knew point. it from three, four years ago. And so when we had built our space, it was geared towards more of an incubation area, allowing someone to come in, host tournaments, do shout casting, do podcasting, do even music creation. And when COVID hit, we were just like, okay, well, we can't use our facility anymore. So it's just like, what do we do now to add value to the individuals in our community? And so by having a background in technology and software development, you know, our team came together and built this technology platform that allows students to learn all the necessary skill sets. And that was our first Mm. stab in providing content. So therefore, the schools can actively be able to replace what they were missing in regards to traditional sports, and they can actively provide programming to that of the actual students because the, the teachers were like esports and we don't really want our students playing games but if you really talk to them about the education element then it's like absolutely oh okay yes we can do this and so we built our platform to be able to give education while at the same time allowing the students to engage from the entertainment side and then that kind of clicked with the actual inst- the, the teachers and so we quickly recognized that and this is full of transparency after the students would go through our course cur- course content, they would be like, okay, what's next? You know, and we sitting there like, what is next? You know? And That's all I like, thought through like, so far. It's like, congratulations. Like, congratulations. The party? Here, here's a certificate. Your graduation? You know, like, Get out of here. And, yeah, <laughs> and that was like the realest, that was, that was a realest element for us because we were just like, whoa, you know, we are a company. We got to keep sustaining it, but we can't treat students like you know cows you know can't just keep going through so we mm. ultimately looked at it as like how can we we have on one end we have we have the pro-am scene that we've built this community so far at this point over you know seven gamers that have turned pro by just being inside of that facility one of them day fry 1.4 yeah. million dollar prize purse like just being Incredible. able to know that these individuals are actually pro and they come from our community and come from our space and our opportunity that we provided them we knew like okay you know that gaming is cool, but we really wanted to provide an immersive experience because that's exactly how the gamers were able to go pro because they had a facility to come to and mm. actually compete amongst other individuals. So we were just like, okay, well, we got to we gotta merge our entertainment side that we do with that of the education side, and how do we do that? And so out of wow. full, full transparency, you know, I talked with Sean Doe out of Complexity, and yeah. he really came in and evaluated our company like, you, you guys are doing entertainment really good. You're doing education really good, but you got to merge them together. And I start thinking like, wow, how do we do that even more? And then we start, we came up with the immersion, the exposure immersion program. And basically what it is, is it's a program where the students engage with four weeks of, of learning. So first week, they utilize our technology platform, which is a learning management system to learn management, marketing, technology, competition, and production. And they have assessments that really identifies their uh, capabilities, their learning, their knowledge of those uh, five segments. On the second week, which is really, really cool, is... We allow the students to pair up into groups of five. And mm-hmm. so you have a marketing specialist, a production technician, a software developer, a head coach, and a general manager, right? So these are the five components that makes up an esports organization, along with other ones. But ultimately, we're just trying to say, hey, five students, you, you're coming to build out an esports organization, and we allow them to draft 
players within our real actual league. So we give the actual player, the students, a salary cap. They get to see the top qualifiers, so 20 qualifiers that are participating in the leagues, and they get to pick who they want to represent within their teams, right? And so mm. it gives them a perspective of running their own esports organization. On cool. that third week, they actively have assignments. So for an example, the software developer has a micro website to build. So we have functionality in our technology platform that allows them to build their own website. So they don't even have to know coding, just like a Squarespace or a GoDaddy or any other platform that allows you to build websites really nicely. We give them that same opportunity to be creative, but they can be able to plug and play. They take content from the actual marketing specialist and the production technician. The technician clips the content from the actual players that they picked, right? Which is by way of the head coach and the general manager. Mm -hmm. The marketing specialists take those clips and place it on our Ecolab functionality on our platform, which is an internal social media, right? Yeah. So now you're able to see that student's marketing strategy being applied in real time. And everybody has assignments that they engage with to run and operate their esports organization. So by way of that fourth week, they're getting all the content that they've been able to uh, cure on that micro website for their organization and they get to present that to their parents, their family members, their teachers, and most importantly, their employers. You know, Absolutely. and that's incredible for actual students to be able to be in that immersive experience. And one of the ways we, we recognize that as a value, this program is totally virtual. But the lucky part is for students that are in the local area, on that third week, we have schools busing their students to our facility so they can actively see it in real time. So when their players that awesome. they pick, they get to see them playing on the actual stage while at the same time being in the, the, the seat. I call it the Jerry Jones seat, right? They get to be in their box office and being able to see how they run their esports organization. Mm. And it, get, it brings me back to the entrepreneurship roots, right? Yeah. It allows the students to really operate their esports organizations while being able to do it in real time. And that's one of the benefits of being in a local area. So we interact with Duncanville, Cedar Hill, Lancaster, DeSoto, a lot of the schools in the southern sector of Dallas. Mm -hmm. But we really want to provide this program to several schools, no matter where they're at. You know, the northern sector, the west side, or the east side of Dallas, and even from a global perspective just as much. So that is the basis of our immersion program, and it just came sure out of how do we connect both things that we do, the entertainment and the education side, and that was the best way that we can figure out how to do that. I love that. I mean, as I'm listening to you here, I'm thinking Danny is never going to go hungry yeah. because you're going to find a way <laughs> yeah, to sure. at least make enough money to get by, get by. if exactly. not more. You know, and I think that work ethic and that mindset that you yeah. have is always going to do well. And man, you're crushing it. Tell me the ages of the kids yeah. that are 13 to 25 program. years of age. That's you know? pretty, that's pretty broad. Is yeah. there a is everybody in the same program? What is what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, so everybody's in the same program, but we really focus in on going towards the juniors and seniors because okay. the juniors and seniors are about at that at that point of making their decision. Do I go to college or do I go to trade school? So we right. really want to make sure that they're like equipped to say, at least I can go to college to further this or I can go straight into the actual workforce by showcasing what I've done so far. So we really want to focus in on the juniors and the seniors because they got the most pressure on them about like, what do they do? Especially with college being so expensive you know you know you got trade school where it's competitive you mm. know like we're it's like these students have some critical decisions to make at that point and right. we just want to make it as easy as possible for them cool and it sounds like you've realized how to do this through covid so is this the first have you been doing the first iterations yeah of these four, for sure. four week courses yeah. right yeah we're in it right now we've done it we're on our second month 
So we're cool. currently right now doing it with Lancaster ISD. So mm -hmm. they we have 25 students that are actively going through it every day. The Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're in their second week right now. Cool. So we started. It, we're going to start this program. We start this program ev the first of every month. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to our public release is July 12th. So that is actively for that of schools, but also for the general public, because in our area, there are not there are not that many esports programs in the schools. So if they're hearing me shout right. out esports, 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 parents are hearing that. So they're like, well, we don't have an esports program. How do we get a part of this? Mm -hmm. So we're launching it for the actual parents and the you know the community members who would like to get their youth involved, and even organizations that do not have esports esports programs. So we're literally trying to make sure that it's, it's offered to everyone from that perspective. Cool. And is it in a situation yet where students are getting any sort of credit from schools or is it completely separate from the school? Currently? Yeah, so it's completely separate from the school right now, but we're actively working with Dallas College, which is a cool. junior college, which is, to in my opinion, I think is the best spot because a junior college, it's, it's, it's lower on the capital cost and it's easily accessible for individuals who don't have that, that amount of resources. But it's also, yeah. if you, it's also, it's accredited. Like, like a junior college, a degree in junior college can hold weight just as much, you know? Absolutely. And so from this perspective, yeah. we have already started engaging with Dallas College to build out their programming. So therefore it can be accredited. While at the same time, I've learned that, you know, even with the SMU program that we're doing right now, this is a great way to add, you know, validity to that of experience. Granted, it's not tied in any way from a credit. I would love, if anybody hearing this, I would love for it to be. But Let's figure that out. Figure yeah. that out. Figure that out. That's the next step. That's yeah. the next step, you mm -hmm. know. I think right now just being able to say, man, we're building this program for SMU, which is a prestigious college. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, just having that as this is the entity, this is the professors, this is the individuals that are building this out. Hopefully that gives <coughs> enough accreditation for someone to say, hey, this is just us learning from this program and being a part of this program helps us have a leg up when it comes down to actively obtaining a job in this space. Well, I think just being on the podcast, it's going to solve yes, it, right? I, I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I personally don't know anybody who doesn't listen to the podcast, so I just assume I everybody do. does. Uh, I listen to it a lot, and I know a lot of people <laughs> that listen to it. I appreciate that. So if I was a student taking this, first of all, how do I apply? How do I get into it? Yeah, so front, you go to exposure.gg slash immersion. And we're cool. taking 25 increment slots. So the cool thing is that we can have students from all around the world and they will be filled within a 25 slot. And each 25 slot is your own admin or instructor that we apply to help you go through it with your cohort. So five groups, but ultimately we keep having 25. As one as one fills up, we go for another 25 and another 25. So ultimately going to exposure.gg slash immersion. Cool. And for those who are listening, not watching, I'm going to spell it out. I see it on your shirt. <laughs> E-S-P-O-S-U-R-E dot G-G. Yes, so sir. that's a way to sign up. If I'm a student or if I'm a parent listening, I want my kids to do this. If they do it one time, can they do it again? Do you yes. encourage or discourage that? I encourage it. And, and, and it's kind of crazy. Everything is by way of experience for me. Mm -hmm. I was on a call with an institution that was in Europe. And they were like, wow, this one month experience and the students get to experience one role. If we add this to our college, can they do all roles and it'd be five months? I was like, yeah, you know, like, yes, I didn't even think about that. But yes. Yeah, so ultimately yeah. what we're seeing right now is one student can 
take the course and they and take the program and they can be a general manager and then they can take it again. They can be a marketing specialist. They can take it again. Because cool. there's be different software. roles there's in different the program. Roles. So you yeah. can do it again and again and so do a different e- yeah. role. Yeah, so one, awesome. if you take it one time, you were randomly selected to any of those roles, right? Got it. So if you take it five times, you get the experience of each of those roles, right? So yeah. it's, 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 that was the moment where I was just like, wow, I didn't even think about that. And they let us know. So now when we work with colleges to fit within their five month semester range, they're mm-hmm. like, we want our students to experience each role throughout that semester. Super cool. Mm-hmm. And something that you've experienced where you grew up, now you had the opportunity through your athletics to yes. get you to college. Yes. Right. But not everybody where not you everybody. grew up mm-hmm. has that opportunity. And in a lot of places, not just lower income neighborhoods, all over the country, all over the world, people mm-hmm. say, I want to be a professional athlete. Yes. I want to be a professional gamer, whatever. I think that uh, percentage is like 0.03% of people so. make it. Yes. I used to, when I lived in Sacramento, I had a number of friends who had played in the NFL. And while the average of an NFL player is three years, the majority play for one year. Mm-hmm. It's the superstars who play it's for 10, 12 years that they yeah. mess up that average. Yes. But I had a number of friends who went to the league one year, they made 400000 mm-hmm. minimum. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to you know, find yes, what's next. Employment, what's next, yeah. Everything that they had put their entire life to, yes. they've realized their dream, and one year later it was done. Yes, for sure. And so what I love what you're doing, I love what we're trying to help people do at SMU that you and I both were involved with writing the curriculum yes. there for their eSports Business Management Certificate Program. Yes. Daniel Hers and I wrote Business Development Revenue Strategies. Yes. You wrote... Yeah, running an eSports organization from a recruitment organization and management perspective. Absolutely. And so we both have this great passion for having to bring up young people. But talk a little bit about what you're providing that you're... You know, it's the type of thing like give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Yes. Teach him to fish, he'll, he'll eat for a lifetime. Very much so. And what you're doing is you're opening people's eyes to possibilities mm-hmm. that they may not see. You're giving them the tools, the skills, the experience to do something that is going to feed them, you know, for fund their life, their families for a lifetime. Yeah. Also, there's, I think in every industry right now, but especially in esports, is diversity and inclusion is yes. very focused on. Yes. For One sure. thing that I love about our esports space is, of course, it's not perfect yeah. like any other industry, but the people who are involved, when they see an issue, they go after it yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> That's so cool about this space. And I don't know if it's just the sentiment of Gen Z. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, we haven't done anything very long, so there's no, yeah. this is how we've always done yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Or what it is, but just talk a little bit about that impact that you're seeing people are having every day coming yeah. through your, your building. Yeah, I think there's several. There's the women element. You know, mm-hmm. you know, young ladies understanding that it's not just about gaming. It, right. There's a whole lot of other elements. And just being able to shine light on those is just as simple as snapping your wrist. Right. Where someone gets to see like, wow, I thought it was just game. Most people think esports is just gaming. Once they hear yeah. that it's much more than that, it's like it's not that hard to be like, OK, cool. I, I can do this. I can do this. I can. It's just the world just opens up after you recognize that it's not you just playing games all day, right? right. And I think that's gonna that's the most inclusive element, right? And mm-hmm. it just lets everybody knows that they have a space 
inside of this, right? Yeah. I always, I you know, I always, I used to always have imposter syndrome where I would be, especially in San Francisco, like I was the only African American part of our tech startup. I mean, these individuals that I would work with, awesome people come from Carnegie Mellon, Facebook, you know, working on our tech startup. And yeah. I would be like, I'm this little kid out of South Dallas at UTSA, you know, <laughs> like nobody knows my school. Right. Yeah. But they know Oak Cliff because Oak Cliff is like known to be, you know, a bad place to be. Right. Yeah. So like, you from Oak Cliff? I heard a song it's like, some of the- <laughs> it's for different like, reasons, for a different reason, you know. Right. So I used to always be like, man, I don't supposed to be here, you know. Mm. And, you know, the cool thing about esports is. I feel as if like I'm just like everybody else, right? Cool. And the cool thing about it is it's competitive. So the competition shines light more than anything, which True. coming from a sports background, you you just have an innate element of competing, right? Absolutely. So it's not bad competing. It's like I hate you or I hate them. It's just I see you're doing good. I want to do good. And I want hope that you look at me doing good and you want to do good, right? Right. And we sharpen each other. And that's, that's the awesome. coolest element in esports is because it's not looked at who I look, how I look, and what and how much money or how less money I have. Mm-hmm. It's really like, what have you done? And that's the space, right? Even if you're trying to get into the spaces, what have you done? Yes. If you're a founder or you're trying to build a company, you have very low resources, like very low money. If you haven't gained investors, you got to be very efficient with your money. And I I know that from facts, right? So in this instance, you have to be like, I have to look at someone and be like, what have you done? You know, because I need to make sure that if I bring you on, you can help us all get to the actual element. And it's just not me a part of this experience. I have a full team behind me. So I always have to look after them and their best interest is just as much. So when I look at, you know, diversity, I look at it as like, if you have the skill sets, I don't care how you look. You're ultimately helping our team grow so therefore we can all feed our families. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, especially over the last year. Mm-hmm. All these industries, there's something that has to happen, though, way before people are of the age and experience to yes. take advantage of opportunities yes, where we do sure. want diversity in race, gender, experience, Experience, background, all those things as well. And if young people, minorities specifically we're talking about here, don't have the opportunity for two things. I think number one is the vision, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of people who just don't even know that this is a possibility Mm -hmm. because nobody who looks like them is doing this thing. Exactly. Right. And then the second, after they have that vision is, do you have the opportunity to then develop Mm -hmm. the skills to then get that first job exactly, or have that experience, which then when someone is building a board mm-hmm. like the Sports Trade Association sure. or you're hiring for a CMO or yes. something like that, you're qualified for it. Yes, exactly. Right? Talk a little bit about your take on that. Yeah, I think the biggest dynamic is like, you know, when I get someone a record, uh, I, I, I hear this often where it's like you're part of these organizations because you're black. Right. Mm. And, and sometimes I'd be like, yeah, that's true. But like I'm, a tokenism, I, like, it's we, like a tokenism. We need to check a box. We need and to you check a box. There. Yeah. Okay. And, and, I, and I'm totally OK with it because I look at it from a perspective of I put in work to get to be that check. Right. And so mm. now I'm looking at everybody that I impact. I have to tell them, like, you're going to have to work 
to be in the space that you want to be in, right? right? And you never want to discount work from somebody. You want to let them know that because you have you've worked to get where you're, that's what makes you able to be a part of that checkbox, right? Mm. The work that you put in is beneficial because a lot of people don't put in the work. So if you put in the work, right. you're going to be in that position and they just need that first element that you spoke on is just knowing that it's there. The opportunity is there and seeing somebody else do it. Once that right. clicks, it's like, okay, I can put in the work and I now can be a part of that experience. But if you don't know, if there's nobody out there shouting, you know, the opportunities in esports, then you don't know. You know, you do not right. know at all. So when you just can speak on those, someone can say, oh, man, all right. Let me go put in the work now. You know, let me go volunteer. Let yeah. me go and ask someone. Let me go to travel. You know, I may, I mean, I remember traveling to tournaments back to back to back where I would get like a little rental car. I would sleep in my car. I would go to the tournament. I will go and talk to every single body that's there as possibly I can. They will look at me weird because I'm asking all type of questions and they don't know. I'm not playing any games. So they're like, who is this guy? But ultimately, like learning it and asking an individual, how can I add value to what you're doing? How can I help? Mm. And you get so many different perspectives. And then you can come back at the end of the night and say, OK, I can help there. I can't help there. And then you go back and say, hey, this is what I can do. And you help that person. And then that person says, oh, man, you helped me. Let me introduce you to this person. Let me introduce you to that person. And then yeah. you start to build in that perspective. So really, it's a sacrifice earlier for individuals who are wanting to get in this space to say, hey, I actively want to add value to an individual. And and it doesn't matter how you look. It's if you really have the compassion and the humbleness to say, hey, mm -hmm. I don't know it all. I want to be able to add value to what I do know. And mm -hmm. I'm willing to learn to so I can know in the future. If you have that, then you can ultimately be able to have value in the space. Now, how long it's going to take, right? You, we don't know. It took me eight years to really add, to understand and really make revenue in this industry. Mm. I would make, I can break even, right? I can break even, break even. It wasn't until after COVID where we recognize like, oh snap, we can do virtual tournaments, you know? We can do virtual production. Right. You know, we can build out a platform and people needed it at that point. So mm -hmm. it was low overhead. So we were like, man, we finally are starting to make <laughs> make capital now. But before, when you're trying to open up a facility, when you're trying to build a community, especially for us, we went into a, a community that was in the, in, in the southern sector of Dallas. So you mm -hmm. got to teach more. You got to like, it's a slower turn. Right. There's you know? an education There's piece an education. that needs to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So you already are going into it like, man, I don't even expect to be rich. 10 years from now, right? right? I know that if I can just do a good job, I can sustain our team and sustain ourselves. And, you know, you have to have a psychological mindset to know, like, this is not for me. <laughs> this is for somebody else that's coming behind me. Mm. And you got to be okay with that. And I was always okay with that. Now we're in a position to where I can I can kind of sit back and say, not not sit back, but literally look at our revenue as a company and say, Hey, you know, I can give you a, a raise. You know, I don't. You right. don't. You don't have to be like, like, like starving. You right. know, to be a part of this, like I did, right? So right. by feeling that, I now can have the compassion because of the actual revenue I can give. So therefore, individuals do not have to starve as long as I did. And I yeah. think from that perspective, you it can be you can be in a space, and it can be two years, it can be eight years, or it can even be. 
10 years before you actively are able to say, wow, is this worth it? You know, but in your mind, right. it should be worth it because you it, if it's not you, you have to think selfless and you have to think how you're impacted after you. Did you have a time in that eight years where you're where you thought about giving up? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I was so invested that I felt like if I give up, I ain't gonna have anything else. You know, like mm. like I'm so invested in this, and this has to work. It has to work. Like there's mm. no like I'm just gonna figure it out. You know, and I may have to be. I have to. I have. To, I always call tell my tell my people like I have to put myself on ice. Like I have to literally freeze myself. And, and and move really slow just so when I get the ideal I can unfreeze myself and move faster. Interesting. Just to sustain the the, the timeline. Because you can't sprint getting, all the you time. You can't sprint all the time. You so know? You're, you're purposely kind of saving up those moments so that when you have to sprint you yes. have the ability to do that. Exactly. That's what you're Interesting. And this is sprinting mode right now for me. I know it. You're uh, building out a new facility, aren't yes, you? Yes, for sure. Just for people who weren't here when Danny came into the studio he walks in he's got the phone I'm leading him in he's got another phone call you know uh, delegating work doing a great job getting a lot of people do a lot of work for you tell us a little bit about that facility wow Um, this is a third facility of us building and man the first facility it was inside ravaged building been been there for like six years roaches rats coming cleaning everything out building walls taking it out and recognizing that i have this vision i'm finna figure out how to turn this ugly building in this city into something that the city can be proud of Mm. right and doing that i learned a lot of elements so for this new building now with COVID and it's changed our business model where we were thinking about a facility now we're virtual mostly virtual so now we not had to focus on more foot traffic. We focus now on our team when it comes mm. down to operating our technology platform. So now I'm building this facility more for our our team. I remember visiting Facebook when I was in San Francisco and I seen all the offices and I seen Zuck, uh, Zuck's office and it was full glass and I would see him and working. Seen pictures of that. Yeah, but yeah. I haven't seen it in person. Yeah, when you see cool. it in person, you just you walk past, you, you like see him and it was like he just looked at you and he still goes to this meeting. It's crazy. Right. Like, so like just kind of seeing it, I was like, man, I want to have an office like that, you know, and this new space gives us that opportunity to do it. So cool. the, the upside of COVID and the revenue that we've been, I'm able I was able to save that. And now being able to add that into a facility that makes it better for our staff as we grow but still keeping the dynamic of an arena. So we go from a 5,000 to a 2,500, still very efficient. But the purpose is, is when these students bust into our facility on that third week, they get, I'm building it to where it's like a field trip. Like when they walk through the door, cool. they get to see our offices, our teams, our education department, our marketing department. They get to go in the content room, see the content individuals creating right. content. They get to see the production room and they see the production getting ready for the production that they're about to participate in. And then they get to go in the arena and watch everything as they do their assignments. Right? That's incredibly smart. I mean, you're essentially telling a story yes. in person. Yes. And what I'm picturing too in my mind as you're explaining this is if I'm like the mayor mm-hmm. or if I'm somebody you're pitching yes. or something like that. And you've built this so that in the same way that I might take you through a sponsorship deck in yes. a presentation, <laughs> you're taking me literally through a hallway yes. telling 
culminating in exactly. and here's the arena and here's the arena and the students are going through that so right. imagine you're in high school and you're walking in and you get to see it all and so then you hyped. sit down and then you're like you see the it's like the movie starts and then you're like taking notes and your notes is actively your assignment incredible like that's that's my vision of how seeing this space and it's cool to see it taking place yeah you know te- it's crazy to be able to see i'm dusty right now because i'm at the facility you know just trying to get everything ramped up putting that work though. putting in that work man yeah <laughs> so it's cool the students are gonna love it the students are gonna love it that's awesome you know you talked about the 2500 seat venue a lot of people don't realize that esports the majority of esports tournaments are small yes and so i actually i you know, very blessed. I had the opportunity to be quoted in Forbes the other day. Yes, and I, seen I was it. like, Congratulations, wow, that's man. a trip, you know, <laughs> kind of cool. It's going to follow you forever, too. Yeah, it's the goal. I'm not trying to just make it be one, you know what I mean? <laughs> How about that second one, Forbes? No. <laughs> How about that second one? I love it. <laughs> but the point a lot of people don't get, you know, they say the, these tournaments in Poland or in Asia yes, or wherever, and it's like 100,000 people. It's yeah. all these stadiums. And so then these municipalities, these towns, these venues, they build these 10, 20,000 yeah. person stadiums and it doesn't work. Yes. Because they didn't understand the market, mm-hmm. especially in the US. Yes. And, you know, they say in politics, they say never book a room that's not going to be overflow. Yes. Because exactly. just the optics of it, number yes, one. Yes, for sure. But talk a little about your experience. You, know, you said 5,000, now 2,500. Yeah. What has that been like with? the size of the venue and mm-hmm. from your experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really strictly business for me because, you know, COVID recognized that it let us know, like, we had excess, right? So we go and I have to work my butt off to, to, to have a space and to afford that space. And then you recognize COVID is virtual. So now you don't need that space. So now you can utilize the you know you can utilize the extra capital that you will get towards that of offering to your staff and more mm-hmm. marketing right mm-hmm. we never did any marketing everything is organic now we have the ability with our program to have extra funds to actually spend on ads and understanding pixels and getting it out to more individuals we were strapped <laughs> before then to do anything you know so like yeah it's you know understanding how to be efficient during these times is what is now being more impactful to our communities and mm-hmm. the individuals that work with our company so you know i see i see it a value for individuals to start small you know start efficient yeah. that's where most individuals and then just grow little by little by little and really understand data is important right Understanding Absolutely. how you can be able to take that data, measure it, and then start to apply that data. And that can help ultimately help you grow. Well, I would say, and especially in live events. So mm-hmm. typically live events are kind of a black hole from a data perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things that COVID has done, I've been a part or at least in touch with so many different technological companies with events yes. who are now doing things where you can capture that data. data and that's gold. Yes, you know, I mean, a lot of sure. times you don't make money any other way. Mm-hmm. You get the data, you're good, you're right? Good, you can sure. do actionable insights, you know, leverage that in a number of different ways. So you make a great point on that. One thing I want to discuss while we still have a little bit of time is the Esports Trade Association. Yes, for sure. This, I think, was the first opportunity for us to really collaborate. Yes, for right? sure. It was so definitely we, first. We met at the Capital Factory. Mm-hmm. Me and a gentleman named Donnie Newfist did like a fireside chat sort of a thing 
And I remind, I remember this young, <laughs> ambitious, loud-spoken, <laughs> energetic For sure. dude come up and be like, I need to talk that to you or something like that. And you know what's so funny is like I've been that dude so many yes, times like, that I was like game recognize game sort of thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, I like the hustle. Yeah, you know? for sure. I remember at that time it wasn't a fit for us to collaborate yeah. in my current role, but I never forgot that. That's perfect. You know, and when I started building the permanent board or the one year board of uh, board of directors at the Esports Trade Association, I was thinking about who do I know? Yeah. And what are the different puzzle pieces? Yeah. Right. For sure. I remembered you and what you're doing, and I thought, man, Danny is got this grassroots thing. He's really connected, yeah, super connected to yeah. the culture, bringing up the youth, and because we have this mission to help improve the business practices of the esports industry to yeah. ultimately result in more sustainable growth for the industry, Very much so. and ultimately just gamers enjoying more of what we love. Exactly. I would love to hear your perspective. I tell people at ESTA yeah, all day, every day. For sure. I just love to hear what it means to you and yeah. specifically in your role, how you see it as an opportunity to help others. Yeah, that's awesome because when I when you approached me about ESTA, I'm actively going through it with our own company. Is trying to there's two elements there's that we experience. It's trying to, like I stated, trying to merge the education with the entertainment. And then the next thing is trying to as two sides of our company is like mo 70% of our staff I've brought in out of high school and college. So cool. they're 70%, 75% of our staff is under the age of 22. Wow. Wow, right? The rest are executives, right, that mm. are non-endemic to the space. Right. Right? So I always have to be the middle person. You see that, br- that gap <laughs> every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Every single day. I see it. The younger individuals are like, why do I need to learn? Why do we need to do this in education? I just got out of school. I don't want to do this. And I want to just game. I want to be, I want to build things and graphics for the game. And then the executives are like, they're not professional and they, they just do whatever they want. I'm like, that's millennials. You know, like we got to figure out that's our, that's the, that's our reach. That's the, our people on our team are the individuals that we're marketing to, right? That is right. the community. So right. everybody has to understand each other. So mm-hmm. when you approach me about ESTA, I was just like the same thing. It's individuals mm. who have tenured backgrounds that want to learn about the industry. They actively are wanting to work with the individuals in the industry, but they have to learn the industry. They have to learn the right. space. And you have the individuals in the industry right now that is having a hard time trying to figure out how to make money in the space, right? Because right. they're so passionate. So they're like, but they don't quite know how and if they do know how they view it as kind of like a sellout like Mm -hmm. right so it's like this going together so when i see esta i looked at it as like whatever i can do to help bridge that gap Mm. with the bandwidth that i have i am ultimately looking at it's like i want to add value because i see where they're at as an entity and it's very critical to they're in a position to where they can impact both the community 
and the individuals who are looking to get in the space to add value to the space with the skill sets that they have acquired over a considerable amount of years. Yeah. And I looked at ESCA being the best platform in this industry to do that. Mm. So ultimately I looked at it as like, yes, I would add my, you know, I would add whatever I can to help ensure that that connection is met. And it doesn't happen overnight, but yeah. nothing happens overnight, right? And right. when I, as I'm here, I'm getting to talk to individuals who from all different backgrounds that are ultimately looking at it from a perspective of like, I'm just looking for this tidbit and I will go and take this tidbit and I'll go find another tidbit and I'll find another tidbit. And that's how the community at ESTA is, is being built. It's everybody mm -hmm. learning from each other, from little tidbits. And right. I look at it and I'm just like, wow, if, if I can build an organization like ESTA that I can be as value to our community as ESTA is to the esports community. Mm. I look at it just like that, and that's what keeps me, you know, engaged. That's what keeps me, cool. you know, trying to add value. And that, and when you approached me, you already gave it the legitimacy. So that would made me like I had to take it to the team. I had to be like, hey, do I have the bandwidth to do this? <laughs> you know. And I ultimately looked at it as like, man, John has the bandwidth. John mm. is actively taking on a hard role. And if he can do this, why, you know, why can't I do that? It's the mm. competition element, right? It's like, cool. if you can do it, I can do it. And I'm learning every day from you just as much as I'm learning from Megan. I'm learning yeah. from Sharon. I'm learning from everybody in the space, right. as well as new individuals coming into the organization right. from an ESTA perspective. So it just blows my mind to see all the individuals who share the same passion as I do. And I can guarantee you for anybody that's looking at being a part of the ESTA, this is the exact same feeling that you will feel. And if you look at it from a perspective of you want to get everything like you're just supposed to be successful tomorrow, you're looking at it from the wrong lens. Mm -hmm. Look at it from a perspective that you're going to connect it with somebody. You're going to be connected with someone who can give you something to place in your satchel and then you can go and get something else and place in your satchel. And by the end of it, you're looking at it and it never ends. But by the end, by at, the, at, at over time, you're going to say, wow, look at I've learned about marketing. I've learned about sponsorships i've learned about event curation i've learned about production you know i you 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 will take that and be able to build on that to help you mm. enter into the esports industry and that's all is that's what that's what it's about anyway yeah that's a great analogy i i have a good and bad habit i've always <laughs> been on the bleeding edge of my experience just pushing 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 and so a lot of times I feel like I don't know what I'm doing because I'm always pushing yeah. <laughs> that envelope rather than just like doing what I've done forever or know how to yeah. do. It's a curse and a blessing. But yeah, sometimes I'll look up and I'll 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 look back at what I realize or what I know now or the experiences I've gained and I'm like, Wow, oh, wow. I have come so far. I've just been grinding, yes. didn't realize it. The other thing, I really appreciate hearing your perspective. For those listening, that's my first time I've heard you say that. Yeah. And I can just tell you it's so encouraging to me just because, you know, at ESTA, we've got our nose to the grindstone. We are working on this thing. It has come so far, but it still has a lot further yes, to go to be sure. what we want it what to be. What your vision is, yeah. Right. But, you know, the way I describe it, too, is it's also a safe place to get connected. Mm -hmm. The challenge, I think the biggest challenge is just the endemic esports industry realizing the need for it. Yes. And also the awareness and saying, oh, there is this group here. And wait, they're not in it for their own money or anything. Yeah. They're here for us. Yes. 
and we've been gaining that that buy-in, which is awesome. But also those complimentary experts, the people from outside the space. Yeah. What I would say is it's not just learning about the space, but also how to approach it. Yes. And to come to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some places on the internet where if you capitalize esports wrong, you're blacklisted. You don't yeah, get a second chance. For sure. What I say is like, look, somebody could not know that little detail yeah. and have so much to offer our space. Wow, so much. And for us to push that person away yeah. just because they didn't know this one piece that ultimately yeah. doesn't even matter at all, yeah. are we... Is that the best filter that we have to realize who should get into the space? And so I just love the opportunity to bring people in, to add the knowledge. We do it through webinars, the newsletter. We're doing Clubhouse. Megan's doing a podcast with members. And we have a big conference September 12th through 15th in Chicago, Mm -hmm. in person. Yes, Live events are coming back. I'm so hyped. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you talking through that with me. I appreciate you being here in person. Yeah. Uh, we were actually at a, a little backstory. We hung out at my house, and then most recently we're at a Dallas esports meetup. Yes. And you and I are both so busy because we have our oh hands in gosh, so much yes, stuff. For sure. So we're doing the happy hour thing. <laughs> I get a text from the person I report to at PRG. John, are you free? Are you free? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, are you free? It's, you're free. You're free, <laughs> You got to pick up that call. I need to call you right now. <laughs> so I'm out on the balcony and I'm like in the middle of this like biz dev discussion. What are we going to share with the founder of the company on our global esports business development initiatives? And Danny's running around like a chicken with his head cut off because he's got 10 things to do. And I'm like, Danny, I need you on the podcast. On I'm recording God. again. And man, it means so much to have you in person too. Yes. I love the in-person episodes. And dude, the more I hear about your story, oh, man. the more hyped I get. Yeah, I knew a lot of it before, yeah. but just hearing this today, you know, I'm inspired. I think everybody who yeah. listens to this is going to be sure. really inspired and want to support. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah. What are any calls you want to make before we sign off? Yeah, the number one focus is if you have to volunteer in this space, if you have resources that can help you get paid, that's great. That's icing on the cake. Start. Start somewhere. That's the biggest thing that I can be able to provide. If you sit back and just kind of question everything, then you're going to come across maybe not the most successful track or record inside of this space. Really go out and add value. Everything is not perfect. This industry is fairly, I won't say new, it's still in its infancy phase. So your help is needed, right? So find what you can add value and then just go for it. Just go for it. You're going to make mistakes. You shouldn't be worried about how you're going to look if you make those mistakes because you're going to make mistakes. And the only person that will care that if you make a mistake is a person that sits back and don't make any mistakes and they don't do anything to make mistakes. So just get out there and just add your value. You have something special within you. I promise you, you do. Figure it out and add value to the space. And ultimately, when you look back 10 years from now, you're going to be a prime reason why this space has grown to the heights that it's grown. Absolutely. Outside of that, man, outside of that, I try to use LinkedIn as much as I possibly can. I try to share things. You do a way better job than I do of engaging. And I'm learning from you in regards to that. So that's That's pretty cool to be able to see like how you tag and how you have stories. Like it's like, it's a perfect way to use social media. I try to use social media to a point to where it's just like, here's what we're doing. I'm in the background. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot. Like, I feel bad if I don't post, you know, like that's sure. that's kind of like how I am. But you can definitely follow, you know, the journey on LinkedIn. Definitely 
Danny Ray Martin. That is pretty cool. And social media like Instagram, you're more than happy to be able to utilize that. But most importantly, LinkedIn and just go onto the website to see everything that we do. Exposure.gg. You can go directly to exposure.gg slash immersion to see our main product in which we are adding value to the space by giving experiential opportunities. We're going to be doing this every month. I cannot wait to share what is going to look inside of the facility while at the same time sharing the impact of the students as they they complete the programs. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it in person and see what you're doing, following what you're doing, helping in any way that I can. I really mean that. So thank you again for joining the podcast. Danny Martin on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futurai Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.